Hello, everyone. It's been a while, but Alex and Andrew, we are finally here for the Survivor 42 finale recap. Of course, it's the 39 Days podcast with Alex and Andrew. Alex, it's been a minute. What's going on, man? It's been a while. We uh, watched the finale about, what, a week and a half ago? Um, a little over a week, yeah. And then Memorial Day weekend happened. We were busy because, you know, the whole country's busy on Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> So now we just got around to uh, talking about Survivor and, you know, not a bad, not a bad finale. We, uh, I think we both enjoyed it. Um, would have been better for me if Lindsay won, because then I would have been able to say that I picked the winner and we would have both had people being like, oh, my God, they have insider information. Were you able to recover the, the, the original like preseason draft order? Because I'm curious where I drafted Marianne. Uh, I mean, it certainly I, wasn't top. It's two not three. that it's not that I wasn't able to recover it. It's just all we have to do is listen to the old pod. Yeah, but like, did you I, do that? I, I want to <laughs> no. I I off the top of my head, I want to say Marianne was not. You didn't draft Marianne early on at all. Um, I know she. I think she was a late pick. Yeah. Look. So. So. First off, let's just say congratulations to yeah, Marianne. Congratulations, to Marianne. The winner of season forty-two. I think. After the elimination of, of Omar, we kind of had a sense that that's where the season was going. It yeah. would have taken some kind of monumental change. I know you said you thought Jonathan might have been in, in a good place. I didn't really see that uh, unless he he made like some giant move or like there mm-hmm. was some idle play that we didn't know about. Uh, we said Lindsay could have only gotten the end if she won out. And of course, she had an yeah. advantage in that immunity challenge and didn't win anyway. Uh, and then, of course, promptly got voted out. So... I think all things considered, based on the string of eliminations we had leading up to the finale, you had High, you had Drea, you had Omar. It, it kind of seemed like, I know this is going to seem like I'm putting her game down, but like Marion was the best house in a bad neighborhood. Uh, and yeah. I don't mean that to say that like she wasn't a strong player, but I think some of the, the best players of the season were already on the jury. Um, she may have been maybe one of the top four. I don't know if she was the, the number one but certainly she deserved to win considering she outlasted the people who were saying were quote unquote better players than her. Well, you and I talked about this after, after it was revealed that Marianne won. And we said the last two seasons, especially it's been with Erica and with Marianne. Now the two of them, you know, very deservingly won, but they were not the best players on their season. The reasons they won was because they orchestrated the votes to get out the best players on their season, which is certainly at least puts a feather in your cap as like why you could be considered the best mm-hmm. player of the season, because there were better play- like, like think about it, like in like a, like a sports reference, right? Like if, if you take out the number one seed in the playoffs in mm-hmm. a, a, an NCAA bracket, whatever it may be, right? Like you, you could say, the, well, we beat the best. So yeah. we are the best kind the, of thing. And, I, the and team, I think Marianne the, did that. Well, yeah. If you, if, a uh, if an NCAA team you know takes out the number one seed, the team to be all of a sudden becomes them because they're the ones that took out the number one seed and the number two. Unless it's a crazy, well, crazy unless it's a you know so like sixteen to if, one upset. Yeah, but so if like, it's look, something like, like that, like Romeo, like when he won that final immunity, we weren't yeah. looking at him like, oh, this guy's now a favorite to win. I yeah. kind of, I kind of got spooked, and look, this is my own playing for for the antics of the the edit, but I, I loved how when they were going to final tribal. They, they showed all the jury members on the beach talking about why each of the three could win. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, they have to say something positive for each person. 
and I forget who it was, maybe like Drea and then Jonathan, I think. Maybe I think it was else. Jonathan. And, and I think Chanel too Romeo said something a lot of positive about Romeo. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> is, is he gonna get votes? Like, is there something we're missing here? Yeah. That's- and that's and that was my thought exactly too. When they did that edit, and I liked how they did that edit. Yeah, it was really cool. That was a really good addition of just giving everyone some credit to just kind of build their case and make it so that nobody really knew. He didn't really know who was going to win. And then once they started talking about Romeo, I was like, is he going to like pull this off? I did get spooked for a little bit, but yeah, uh, of course, ultimately he went, he walked away with, with no votes, but mm-hmm. credit to him. He did win that, that last immunity challenge and cement his stat, his spot in the final three. Now we kind of mm-hmm. talked all season. We kind of thought he would have been dragged there anyway, but at least he can go home well, saying that like he earned it and wasn't taken. And then like, if he didn't get votes, that's part of his game, whatever. I think once they started voting out the strong players in the game, you know, the Dreas, the Omars, the, uh, Oh God, I'm blanking. Anyways. Um, Romeo was, it was a foregone conclusion. He was going to go to the end. Because you can say, oh, yeah, we can just go with Romeo as a backup all you want. But they had the same reasoning for not for keeping Jonathan until the final four. There were bigger threats to vote out than Romeo, than Jonathan. And, you know, you don't want to you go to a tribal, especially if it's like six or six or seven people left. You're not going to be voting out someone just to vote them out. You're voting them out because you think they have a better chance to win than you do. And Romeo, the only way Romeo would have won is if he was the only one left. Which is like physically impossible. Yeah. And, Um, you know, credit to him too, because he did what he had to do in the end. He won that last immunity challenge. Yeah. Is there anything he could have done to to change the outcome of the game other than other than force Marianne to go to the fire challenge against either Mike or Jonathan and hope that she got eliminated. Uh, Cause it's interesting enough that, that two seasons in a row we talked, you, you already made the, the relationship between Marianne and Erica in 41, mm-hmm. how they were kind of under the radar picks. They weren't necessarily the best players. Uh, another thing that they had in, in common is that they both got taken by the final four immunity winner, yeah. two final three, and they didn't have to face off in, in, in fire. And then ended up cleaning house in, in the jury vote. So it is interesting that like, I, I wonder what that final three of the three men would have looked like Romeo, Mike, Jonathan, based on what we yeah. know now, Mike probably wins that right. In that case, I would, I think it's a lot more close than the seven to one vote or seven one zero vote that it was for the Marianne, Mike Romeo final three. But yeah, I, I gotta say Mike probably wins it. I would say it's more of a, you know, like five to three thing, but I, I, w- I would have voted for Mike if I was on the jury. I'm really curious how, how that final tribal council would have played out because Mike got flamed pretty bad. Yeah, he did. They tried to talk about like, hey, you wanted to make this whole point that you played with integrity and you were man of honor. And like, look, Survivor doesn't allude itself to any of those characteristics. Mm-hmm. If you come into the game as like a super noble person, the game's going to convert you to do some bad things. And that's just part of the gameplay, right? Well, and but, but he, he didn't did, stand by his gameplay. There's some people in the history of Survivor who have come in and said, I'm going to be playing with honor and integrity. Like the one who the one who comes to mind first is Coach for me. 
Yeah. And he did everything he could to play with honor and integrity and whatever. The first two seasons he played, realized that didn't work, went back out for South Pacific and just backstabbed every single person until the end. And well, ultimately- even, even, even like Brandon Hance, who's chaos and, and a terror, mm-hmm. right? He said like, I want to play noble. And then the certain, the first time someone pushed his buttons, he went and like, Dumped out all the rice. Like, yeah, exactly. So it, it, you could come in, and I know he's not the best example of this because he's a loose cannon, but you could come in and say that you're going to play super noble and not lie to anyone and build these strong relationships. But like in reality, like you're going to have to lie going to have at to, some point. Well, especially once it comes to the end of the game, because if you're in a final five, okay, in Mike's position, he knows that Lindsay's going home. You're not going to, and Lindsay goes up to you, and asks who he's voting. You're not, even if you're in an alliance with someone, you're not going to say, oh yeah, I'm voting for you. You know, you're going to have to say something different and act like, all right, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be going. I know, I know people are saying it's you, but I, I you know, I really think we got to get Jonathan out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the one thing that, kind of surprised me at that final tribal is how everyone was on Mike. And I yeah. think my favorite line was, it was probably Lindsay who said it, but Mike was talking about how he didn't betray anyone. Like look him in the eye and say that they, he wasn't going to vote them out other than Roxroy. But like, we know that he flipped on, on high very fast. And that's why mm-hmm. I went home and he flipped because Omar said to him explicitly, like yeah. I was playing you like a puppet. Which was completely a lie. Great play by Omar to get high out. And mm-hmm. but I like he was kind of going through that. And Lindsay said, like, well, then maybe someone lied to you about someone else. Yeah. And I think that was kind of like 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 I we all as the audience knew that, right? It was just validation to actually hear her say that. But mm-hmm. I wonder if something clicked for Mike, like, oh my God, I got I got I got played like a fiddle here. Yeah. Well, in the biggest I, I saw thing- I was being honest, but like someone said that this person was lying and cheating, and like that was a complete that was BS. That, that was not true at all. Well, the biggest thing this whole season up until the last couple episodes was that the three people that basically had control of everything and were pulling all the strings were Hi, Omar, and Drea. And then people actually got wind of that, voted the three of them out, and Lindsay understood that she was played by Omar and that Omar had been kind of calling all the shots. But Mike never actually caught wind of that he thought it was his doing because he was looped in on all those votes but he wasn't like he was just going along with everyone else he never actually came up with any of those ideas to vote anyone out yeah and i'm sure he would argue that he was more influential on some of the decisions yeah than others and i think part of what hurt him at that final tribal i don't know if him completely owning up to it would have gotten him more than the one vote he got but it was the fact that he didn't just throw down the gauntlet and say, yeah, I came in and I said I was going to play X, Y, Z. And I didn't. I played what I did to win. There was one weird line where he's like, you were going to play with honor. And he's like, well, I had to lie because then that's honor to myself. It's like, uh, you're kind of that, forcing something there. It's not not the best. Yeah. That's not how that works. Yeah. No, but I think, you know, I give my credit. I think he came into this season and nobody expected him to make it to the end. You know, he just looked like the, you know, the firefighter from New Jersey who 
would do something in challenges. He'd help out around camp, and then they then you'd vote him out um, post merge. You know, I didn't expect him to make it as far as he did. Yeah, I, I think the fact that he had that idol, we kind of knew that he had some staying power, mm-hmm. and then he seemed to be on the right side of the numbers. But if you go back a couple weeks and you think about the final three being Marianne, Romeo, and Mike, I, I couldn't have pulled that out of a hat. If I, I, I would have told you at least one, at least one of the three of of High, Drea, and maybe Lindsay would have made it. I would have thought. Yeah, I would have thought like right before she got eliminated. We were talking about how even someone like Tori, who was just the victim of of a really strange tribal council. Yeah, um, she just kind of was like. The only she was the proxy vote out in that in that case. She was um, she was the default. He was yeah. like playing really well in challenges and didn't really have a ton of allies, similar to Romeo. But I feel like she could have been more influential. And if everyone was going for her, you don't just vote out an easy vote on the bottom. Or the I early think, game. yeah, I think if Tori hadn't been voted out in the way that they did the you know two tribals five versus five on five and five. I think she makes it much further and because she's another under the radar person. And she was also aligned with Marianne too that whole time. So I think she definitely makes it a lot further. So speaking to her, we would just have to mention it because we were looking at all this stuff afterwards. Her in as a brunette, was weird. I guess that's her. Re- it was re- weird. Yeah. And, the and then Insta- also the, uh, I, I sent you that like, clip of her on yeah. Big Brother, which I didn't know she was on. That was had no clue. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I just, I remember you sent me the video like of everyone uh, congratulating Marianne and stuff. And we were like, wait, that's Tori. <laughs> she is, she's a brunette. Yeah. But yeah, you know, congrats to, congrats to Marianne. Like we said, she deserved it especially in that final three. And I think one of the best moments of the finale was when she whipped out her idol. Uh, that was such a mic drop moment. The second she did that, you knew she was winning. And you saw all the reactions like, Oh yeah. I, Drea, everyone was just like, now all have like jaw yeah. drop moments. Like, yeah. It was like, oh, Damn, go girl. Because legitimately she said, nobody knew about this idol. I kept it secret legitimately nobody knew about her idol mm-hmm. and she also had, i think the biggest part of that is how she, how she explained she had like five different outs to get to the final three she's mm-hmm. like well if this person won then they would take this and this or if this person yeah. won i had to play the idol and like and she went through all the different scenarios and iterations that could have happened and she was in the final three in all of those cases and it all played out exactly yeah how she fought like brilliant so that, that that was, I think, her obviously her, her biggest strategic moment in the game, and it won her the game for that reason, but just such an awesome moment. Yeah, exactly. And like we said, she was not the strongest player of this season, but the fact that she kind of capitalized on that instead of just going along with it and just, you know, limping to the end like Romeo did, she managed to kind of, you know, like you said, map out the exact ways she could get to the end, who's going to, who would have to go home, who would she would have to talk to in order for her to get to the end. And that type of like, you know, for not foreshadowing, but like planning ahead in order to try and figure out how you're going to get to the end is what ultimately is going to win over the jury because they're seeing just how strategic you're playing. Yeah. And then she even got asked, I, I forgot if it was in the reunion show 
or maybe it was just the final travel, but someone said, it might've actually been Tori's question to her, like, Hey, you come off as a little naive, fun, energetic yeah. was part of your strategy to not seem like you were super strategic. And then it, it kind of built up. And she said, yes. Like I was like, I think, eh, I think part of it, she was, Oh, no, definitely part of it she was. But at the same time, I think she also, I think it was a combination of both. I think it was partially her just kind of being naive to how her personality came off on others, especially there was a few clips when they were still in the tribes and Jonathan was really just kind of annoyed with how she was acting when it was just him, Omar, Marianne, and Lindsay. Um, But at the same time, I also think when she said that there were there was kind of a trend of the younger people getting voted out first with you know the Zach elimination, Swati elimination, uh, Tori getting voted out. You know yep, that was another good moment. Yeah, um, her saying that she needed to kind of play up the you know young girl doesn't really know what she's doing so that people don't put a target on her. That I also think was a big you know, a big form for strategy. Yeah. Which is something that you don't go into the game saying like, I'm going to do this because all the people who are similar age to me are on the ladder. I think that was a really good job of adapting to the fact that like young people are, are playing a little over the top and they're all getting picked off one or the other. So Mm. I am not going to follow that trend. I'm going to lay low a little bit, let my strategy kind of fester, you know, recalibrate it. And then we'll kind of burst upon the scene when the time calls for it and, yeah. and i think she played it out perfectly no i i agree she really you know there was a few times during the uh i would say after post-merge like around the tory elimination the roxbury elimination and um you know drea before omar at least where she really didn't do anything and i think that was partially her gameplay of, base, of basically being the young one that people just kind of didn't want to include her on anything because they didn't trust her. Which, like, I will say, if that actually was done intentionally, then it was brilliant. Oh, yeah. Because I think nobody, nobody at all suspected anything of her. Yeah, and even us watching at home, I think part of us, I I don't want to say forgot about her, but didn't really see her as as, as a contender to win because she wasn't doing a lot. And it's hard to tell unless you have like a confessional where someone like owns their strategy. It's hard to tell if they're not doing much because they're kind of just caught in the waves and they're just going along with the Mm -hmm. flow. Uh, They're just struggling to, you know, stay afloat or they're literally purposely laying low. Uh, And we didn't really get her saying one way or the other, but if like it was fully intentional for her to just bottom out and just Mm -hmm. stay, keep her mouth, keep her name out of other people's mouths uh stay quiet don't ruffle any feathers and then let some of the the, the bigger names get picked off like then c- credit to her she earned oh, yeah. every penny of that win well and like in our power rankings both times we did power rankings this season she wasn't at the bottom but she was pretty mid-range and yeah. i think if you're mid-range and like power rankings you're the people that get forgotten you know, people are going to remember the ones that are way on top, like Omar, Drea, Hi, or the ones that are way on the bottom. Like you had Daniel, who just kept on putting his foot in his mouth. Chanel was a target just because nobody trusted her. You know, people like that. Yeah, right? but but I will say that a lot of the best winners from 
from at least the last 10 or so seasons have been in that middle ground. If you had to do a power rankings midway through the season, right? Like outside yeah. of people like, like Mike and, and Ben who were very vocal, mm. very well known, like Ben, they tried to get out for weeks and he kept finding idols and same, whatnot. Same with, same with Mike Holloway. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you don't necessarily want to be like at the bottom, bottom, but like Natalie Anderson's a really good example. She kind of had the numbers was really good social game, but she was never really like considered a favorite, but she wasn't at the bottom yeah. either. Like you want to be right in the middle. And then it's kind of yeah, almost like, like, like a an example where like people kind of get shaved off the top. And as they do, you keep moving up. And then yeah. once you actually do move up, you got to you got to be there when there's not enough time for someone to mount another charge yeah. to get you out because you're the top you, dog man. Yeah, exactly. You want to be able to be underestimated to the point where you can kind of pull the strings to get everyone who's going to be threats to you out. And by the time people realize that you're the one that was in charge of everything, it's too late, and that's when you win. Yeah. And like Marianne wasn't front and center on every single elimination. But I really think the biggest move of the entire season was her getting Omar out. Yeah. Because Omar was the kingpin of manipulation this season. We said it multiple times. If they didn't take him out, they're fools and he should win. Because A, even if he didn't go into the final tribal tribal looking like a winner because everyone underestimated him, he would have been able to speak his way into winning. Because he would have been able to, you know, count on his fingers all the different moves he did and all the different mani- people he manipulated into doing what he wanted so he could pull yeah. the strings and get everyone voted out. And his best strategy was acting like he was on the bottom when he was actually in the majority alliance yeah. the whole game. Acting like he was on the bottom to make sure he had good relationships with every single person. Like, especially Marianne was the was one person that he really just he made sure to loop her in on everything mm-hmm. and that was kind of what made her realize okay he's kind of he, she recognized his strategy she's like he's talking to me keep me in the loop even though nobody else really is because he's trying to basically play me up as a number and a vote so if i take him out that's a huge move and then she made it happen yeah, it's funny. We we made a point this season talking about how when they merged, you didn't really have like a group of X versus a group of Y with yeah. the numbers and whatnot. But if you look back at it after the fact, the Taku four from the merge finished sixth, fifth, fourth, and one. And first, so, like, they yeah. were they were four of the top six spots. Uh, and it didn't seem like they always had the best relationship. Like, you know, there was that cold war going on between Jonathan and Lindsay. Um, you didn't know if Omar was going to flip at any moment. Mm-hmm. Marianne was like begging to make a big move and kind of bided her time and didn't. So it kind of seemed like there was a lot of volatility in that foursome, but they really did work together. Yeah, they did the whole game. And it- oh, and like you said, it looked on it like watching it, it looked like they weren't um, aligned at all because Lindsay wanted to get Jonathan out for weeks, not week. Well, weeks for us, you know, days in the game. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but when it came down to it, they worked together to do what they had to do, especially when Jonathan won immunity and it was physically impossible to get him out. Lindsay kind of recognized, okay, instead of just, you know, moping around that we can't vote him out, use him as a number. So, yeah, I think the Taku 4 really did a good job of just 
working together even when they knew they weren't on great terms with each other because that was going to be how they made it far in the game. And they made it to the final six. Four, four people in one try made it to the final six. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. Hey, it's definitely an achievement, especially because they lost the first castaway of the game and, in, uh, in Jackson. And then Mariah went home, what, third? I want to say it was third, fourth. third yeah, or fourth. So, so they were a foursome very early in the game and yeah. they rode that to the final six. So. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, cool. I wouldn't exactly say they rode that to the final six as much as Jonathan carried them to the final six. He carried them to the merge. And then from yeah. there it was. Yeah. But I think they made a good, they did a good job of branching out and trying to make other allies as needed, mm-hmm. but ultimately they still relied on each other inadvertently. Yeah. So like you thought, Oh, this person's going to work with, Dre and Mike, Dre and Mike, or this person's going to work with High and Romeo and Lydia, and it really was interesting how how they tried to branch out and make connections with with other tribes, and but ultimately the four of them kind of stuck together mm-hmm. to the end. Um, you mentioned obviously Jonathan got them to the merge by dominating in a bunch of the early immunity challenges, but yeah. after that they they kind of relied on each other. Uh, so so credit to them and getting for the final six is, is super impressive. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially with three different tribes. Like I could see if it was, you know, two, we've seen, we've seen a bunch of seasons where one, where, you know, one tribe against one tribe and one of them just decimates the other. And those are the most boring seasons. Have we seen, we didn't get a tribe swap in either 41 or 42, right? No. And honestly, I would, I, I think I brought this up. We mentioned that last season, and I thought that it might have something to do with like COVID protocols, um, with why they didn't swap at all. But honestly, it might also just be due to the fact that they did so many tribe swaps. They did like three or four. In um, I remember Ghost Island, they did like three. Yeah, I want to say Winners at War, they did two or three. Mm, they know. did at least two. Okay. Um, and that was a big, big thing in the like season, I'd say season 34 to 40, where it was like episode three, the trademark thing would be like swap. Well, yeah, normally when you have two tribes, it's a lot different too, because if you yeah. get to three of the first um, four. But, and and what they would do, and... what they do is they'd start with two and then swap and then turn into three. And then the I like that. Yeah. Out. You know, they'd have nothing. But the numbers are so slim that if you if you did do a tribe swap at three, you'd have to consolidate to two. Mm. But, and, know. you know, I feel like tribe swaps are fun, but at the same time, you can really screw people over for no reason at all. Yeah, and I think the only quote-unquote swap they did in 41 and 42 is when they split, they did the double eliminations. They split people yeah. into groups of five, which was technically like a tribe swap for a day. Mm-hmm. But it was like a division, and then one person was left out. Yeah, that's the it's the hourglass week. Uh, but no, really I strange. Sh- I remember in you know Ghost Island, especially there was a couple pretty good players that I do not remember in their names off the top of my head. But I just remember you know the the later thirty seasons. There was a lot of players who had played, you know, who were doing really well. And they got voted out solely because they were put on the wrong side of the numbers. 
Yeah. So maybe that's just a strategic thing by yeah, the, the production team be, to say like we don't want to have people's games be impacted. Although like, yeah. if, you, if you can wiggle your way out of that scenario, then you deserve to win type thing. And, and I get that. Yeah, that's but, exactly it. It's a. It's more of a. You know, if you get out of the situation, then credit to you. But at the same time, nobody's going to really know. Right. Because nobody really bases their winning on uh, like nobody uses what people did before the merge as a basis of voting for them in the end. You know? Yeah. Nobody was going to vote for Jonathan to win the million because he was a tank at the early immunity challenges. That's why there's two phases of the game. It's getting to the merge in good shape. And then after the, after the merge, once you're on your own, that's when it's, you know, all for one. Yep. So like, if there's anything that, that we've learned, from the last two seasons like what's like your number one takeaway do not make a big target of yourself for me it's if you want to win shut the hell up about your advantages just say yeah that too yeah that's that's a good one because i went down in such a fiery uh, i don't want to say mess but she could have Drea had, she really just mismanaged. She fumbled the bag with her advantages. Yeah. Drea was the Seahawks in the, uh, I forget which number it was, but the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she really, she had so much potential because she had so many advantages and just, you know, tricks to play up her sleeve. And she just kind of, she got blindsided and she didn't get to play any of them, which is a shame because I think she had made it further on. She would have really thrown everyone for a loop. And that would have been fantastic to watch. Yeah. That's kind of why I thought, I think we put her, I, at least I did at number one in one of the power mm-hmm. because she had all these advantages ready to go. Yeah. She had an arsenal and just didn't use it or the timing didn't line up. And then who went out kind of messed it up, like whatever. Yeah. Well, and I remember the early power rankings, I think I had put Jonathan on top just because of his challenge play. And, you know, like directly after the merge, if you're winning challenges, you're putting a target on your back because people are going to be, oh, he's going to win out. He's going to really do well. But after that, once Jonathan started not winning challenges and Lindsay started becoming a really like competitive force against him, I think that's kind of when his game fell apart because people realized, all right, first of all, he's not invulnerable. And secondly, we don't need to get rid of him because he's not doing anything else. The only strength he had was his physical strength. He had no strategic play or social game at all. So that's why I don't think he had a chance of, he might've had a chance of winning, you know, if the cards had, aligned his way but yeah his um his stock really just went down once Lindsay started proving to be a match for him yeah i don't know maybe it's just me but i never really saw him as as like a top level threat well i, I think knew that, i knew he was super physical yeah i, think I thought we it was also pretty thought, clear early on that just he just lacked a bunch of social game well and i also think both of us just 
never really considered him a threat to win because we didn't think he'd make it as far as he did. That's also true. He just was such an obvious target that he should have gotten taken out of the first five or six. He single-handedly led a tribe to win like three consecutive, three or four consecutive challenges. Like that's not putting a target on yourself uh, pre-merge. Like what else? Which is is crazy because I I wonder if this is like a turning of the tides you always see a guy like Jonathan, not quite as awesome as Jonathan, yeah. but on every season, like a very big, beefy, physical guy, right? Mm-hmm. And so often people say, well, we got to get him out because he's a threat. And I wonder if people watching season 42 play out, and it's like, if that guy doesn't have another aspect of his game, he's really not as much of a threat as you say. It's very interesting as you watch these shows and you go through some of the seasons that the people who at certain times get deemed a threat are just playing well for a few days, mm-hmm. but they're not like a true threat to win the million yeah. dollars. And, and a lot of votes sometimes get determined off like, Oh, Oh, we got to get this person out right now. It's like, if you st- take a step back and you think about it, like they're probably not going to win. You probably mm-hmm. don't need to take them out. There's probably someone you need to take out more. And if you let them snake through, they're going to be the ones that beat you. So, yeah. like, uh, well, I would say within the last six or seven seasons we've seen a lot more focus on strategic play whenever when you're voting someone out instead of just solely how they're performing in challenges which, like, which there should be it was yeah. such a lazy thing that people did for for 10 years on this show like oh yeah. this person's a really physical player uh do we want to risk giving up the person who who catches all the fish uh or do we want to like take mm-hmm. out th- it's, it's like you can keep them well, and also <laughs> vote had someone who's a bigger threat i think the we realize just how not great a lot of those big physical you know provider guys that one were in he, all the way back in heroes versus villains you saw guys like colby donaldson like tom westman they Either they made it to the end, they won their seasons. Guys like JT, they won it just based on like their strength and challenges. J, I guess JT was more charisma, yeah. um, but guys like Colby and Tom. But in fairness, too, on Heroes versus Villains, those two guys were a lot more washed than they were when they won their seasons. Yeah, no, and I get that, but my my point is that just earlier seasons, if you were good at challenges there was a good chance you were going to win. Colby yeah. kind of got screwed over in season two. Well, he didn't win for the exact he reason. Did, you he know, he the didn't win for he the challenges. reason we're talking about. But, but he, he Tom, West, Tom Westman won because he just he dominated everything. Yeah, but Tom actually had strategy. He actually had a good social game. I wouldn't say he didn't have as much of a... He was personable and he made connections with people. Yeah, but he also benefited from the fact that his tribe never lost a challenge. That's that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for, I, I think we've exhausted everything we can talk about. What do you say? I think so too. Yeah. So um, thanks for everyone for tuning in for watching this season. I had a blast. Andrew, I would imagine, probably had a blast as well. It was it was different than forty one. Yeah, and I think equally as enjoyable though. Yeah. No, I definitely think it was different than different than forty one. A different, like you know, just experience of of covering it, um, which is good. We didn't we didn't want it to be the same as forty one. 
right. would have been boring. Um, look, look, our, our first year of of podcasting, of, mm-hmm. of doing this new adventure is, is in the books now. We got two seasons down. Whoever knows how many more to go. Yeah, exactly. But looking ahead to the season 43 in the fall, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we'll, we'll pop up periodically this summer. Maybe if you want to do a rewatch of an old season, or maybe we can, if there's a story oh, yeah, we'll, about like a previous player or whatever, maybe we yeah, can we'll, find a reason to throw out an episode. We'll figure something out. We're not going to be completely, you know, AWOL until September. <laughs> right. But for now, um, like I said, thanks everyone for watching. We'll, we'll see you in the fall. Thanks.